You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The message that deals with how we ought to be living in light of the Lord's return. How do we react in light of the Lord's return? And that's why it's so very practical. And that why we do believe in getting involved in the process and all of these different things as salt and light and the responsibilities we have. But it's just so interesting how practical the teaching is when, Jesus is, or when Paul is trying to address people that need to be prepared for Jesus' return. And so let's just look at some of these here real quickly tonight. We'll begin reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left, alone, left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. So obviously, these are people that are going through afflictions. And your afflictions, remember, uh, may God help us not to act as if some strange thing has happened unto us uh, when it comes to our afflictions. They're, they're appointments. Appointments with afflictions. That'd be a good sermon title. Appointments with afflictions. Uh, but he says, Yourselves are appointed thereunto. Verse 4 For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came uh, to pass, and ye know. See, Paul had not yet been taught from the health and wealth and prosperity crowd, the, 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 the opposite of this. That if you live for the Lord, that you're not going to have any trouble and you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise for the rest of your days. He hadn't learned that yet. And I speak facetiously, he didn't learn that because that's a lie. Verse 5, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. But now when... Then, or not, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity that ye have a good remembrance of us desiring greatly to see us, we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and, our, and, and distress by your faith. <laughs> so, He's saying, man, y'all are going through it, I'm going through it, we're all going through it, but I was comforted, I was encouraged to see that you were keeping the faith. Verse 8, for now we live if you stand fast in the, in the Lord. And he's obviously wanting to see these people established, standing in their faith, and that's what they're doing. Verse 9 is where our text is going to start tonight, where the Bible says, for what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Got a pause right there. This is a man that's going through affliction. But he says, I got joy. And that's really where it starts at even earlier in the chapter. Not only that, think about it from his perspective. He's saying to people who are being afflicted, Hey, I'm rejoicing with you guys. I'm rejoicing with you. Um, and there is a time to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. But what it shows is that God's through, through faith and through the power of God, through the word of God, we can rejoice in and through our trials because we've been appointed thereto. And as we're going to see tonight, the title of tonight's message from verses 9 to 13, but really through the whole chapter, is that he said we're appointed unto trials, appointed unto afflictions. 
So in other words, we're all going to be going through trouble. The question is how to grow through trouble. <laughs> how to grow through trouble. So growing through trouble. We're all going through trouble. And you say, well, I'm not going through any trouble right now. Well, hang on, you will be. Um, but, but So we, we, we're going through trouble, but he's saying you can grow through trouble. So let's continue to read these verses. Verse 10, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, God himself and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. So he's praying for them. And he's praying, number one, that I can see y'all. But then he's praying, hey, Paul, pray for us. Man, we're really going through a tough time. Okay, I'm going to pray for you that you'll love each other. Well, Paul, you didn't get my prayer request. You know, we're sitting here, they're sitting here on Wednesday night and he says, pray for me, I'm going through great affliction right now. And he says, okay, let, let's, let's pray for Ralph that he'll increase and abound in love. Ralph's like, did he not hear me? I said, I'm going through affliction. I'm going through a tough time. Isn't that interesting? I'm praying that you're, you will increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you to the end that He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints, growing through trouble. We see where this really begins. One way we're going to grow through trouble is through prayer. Oh my goodness, prayer. May God help us to be faithful in prayer. Prayer one for another. Prayer unto God. Indeed, uh, we are instructed later to pray without ceasing. That we ought to be in a constant attitude of prayer. Night and day. I, I, I believe that to be a distinguishment between times that Paul would specifically set aside to pray. I believe we ought to pray as we go throughout the day. Um, you know, uh, our, my eyes pop, pop open in the morning. I start praying right away. And uh, pray throughout the day. But... There are also times that it's good to get off by yourself and, and set aside some time to pray. And so prayer, Paul's prayer is where it starts. Think about a few of the, I'll read through a few of the verses to you here. Acts chapter 20 verse 32 where the Bible says, And now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up. When he says, I commend you to God right there in Acts 20, verse 32, what he's saying there is, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Pretty cool, isn't it? So through prayer, we can grow through trouble. And by the way, one of the things that we ought to be sure and do, and we'll see this in just a moment, but sometimes trials and troubles drive us to our knees, don't they? Uh, and that's a good thing. But may God help us to not let it take trials. Now, we're going to face them anyway. So I'm not saying if you just keep praying and if you don't have any trouble and you want to be forced, I'm not saying that. But I'm just simply saying, may we learn through our trials, and I've tried to learn through my trials not to wait until... You ever feel like that? You ever been convicted like this? I've been convicted like this. I've been going through trouble. 
What do I do? I get down on my knees. Oh, God, I need you. And then the Lord's trying to help teach me something. He said, yeah, you want to know what? You needed me last week when everything was going good and great and smooth, too. But you weren't paying too much attention to me then, were you? And so then I try to learn through that and say, Lord, you're right. You know, I, I like that old hymn, I need thee every hour. I, I try to think about that. I, Lord, when, when things are good, when things are bad, and sometimes we may, uh, we, need, we need God all the time. I was going to say we may need God more when things are going good, but you understand what I'm saying. Because we can begin to trust in our own way and, and become self-sufficient. Peter said this in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Um, man, I tell you, I, I, was, uh, I, I was listening the other day to an old preacher that his uh, brother Don Sisk, and his health isn't very good now, and he's in his 90s, but uh, just a faithful missionary, faithful man of God, faithful evangelist through the years, and he was... Uh, you know, they were interviewing him. He was probably in, in his late 80s, getting close to 90. And, and one of the questions was asked, man, if you had to do all over again, how would you spend, uh, what would you do differently? And it was something along the lines that I'd spend more time praying and I'd spend more time in the Word. There was a, another famous evangelist, I forget his name, from, you know, the 19th century, I believe. But he said, he was toward the end of his life, and he said, if I could ask God for one thing if i could have any more time on this earth he said i would spend it in prayer and in the word uh, so prayer may god help us i remember reading years ago that what oxygen is to the physical man prayer is to the spiritual man we we've got to have it uh, we're gonna we, we would die without it and so just as jesus prayed for his disciples paul prayed for the thessalonican christians that their faith would not fail I've told you this before, but it's a really encouraging thing, and it's something that you may not recognize that's one of the things that by the grace of God is different about Elk Point Baptist Church, and I thank the Lord for people that, I've, that have helped teach me these things as well, but He's wanting so badly. If you read these, He is longing to be with these people. That's a great thing. But you read about it, He wants to be there because He loves them, and He cares, cares about them, excuse me. But he's like, man, I need to make sure your faith is full. I need to make sure you're growing. I need to make sure you're established in the faith. But guess what? He's not able to go. But guess what he finds out when Timothy goes back? Through prayer, through the word of God, hey, these are God's people. So guess what? They're growing just the same. They're growing just the same. And, you know, I've known a lot of very, very well-meaning pastors that know where they think you ought to be as a Christian, and rather than just let you grow into that place you need to be as a Christian, they'll try to force the issue. And then that, that, that's where, and I'm telling you, it's, it, it, it's, I would argue that it can be a good motive that goes bad. Because ultimately, they just want to see you growing in Christ. They want to see you being faithful in trials. They know it's good for you to be at church. And so rather than just encourage and rather than just pray, well, you know what? Maybe we need to create a culture of guilt around here. Because people are hurting themselves by not being here. Or people are hurting themselves by not living right. So let, let's just, let's make them feel like dogs when they miss. And then that way they'll come. And then they can get help. 
And, uh, and, and I mean, I'm kind of talking crazy, but I'm, I'm telling you that that's just one example. But here's the problem. It's not just, that's just one example of other things to where a pastor can, tr- he, he wants to see you get someplace. And I'm not excusing pastors' bad behavior. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But I am just saying that, that there's times that pastors have crossed that line just because the motivation is, man, I really want to see you get here. But the problem is they don't know your heart. And the problem is when the heart, because Paul's prayer in this passage is he wants to see your heart established. And he wants to see you abounding in love. And just lining up with rules and lining up to perform isn't of the heart. And what it ends up creating is kind of the haves and have-nots. And it ends up creating kind of the, the elite and the non-elite. It, 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 it basically creates the Sanhedrin. And one of the, the worst things that it does, and this is one of the worst things about, by the way, Galatians deals with legalism from the standpoint of works for salvation. Colossians deals more with legalism from the standpoint of performance for those who are saved. And here's the problem with that. Their goal is to, I want to see these people, I know what it looks like for a person to get to this particular place of growth in their life. So I'm going to try to force that in there, you know, and do, do whatever I can do to make that happen. Bad thing is, a lot of times it comes out to outward appearance and performance, not the heart. And another thing, another problem with that is, when you kind of set a list of what it means to be spiritual and holy, guess what happens to those who reach that list? I just get this mental, I get mental images sometimes, and I just get this mental image of these people being able to come up here. Oh, you're here all the time? You're here faithful? Oh, you're giving to missions? Uh, oh, you're dressing right, living right, looking right, whatever else, spitting white? We'll let you come up here. And now together we will judge those who aren't living up to that. But here's the question, see. Under, see, people got the wrong idea but, but beside, behind true biblical liberty. Biblical liberty is not license to sin. That's ridiculousness. Sin is bondage. So to, to say that liberty is sin, leads to sin is, is just, it's just asinine. It's just crazy. That's not what liberty is. See, the, the legalist says, get here, but you get there and you've reached the ceiling. But liberty says, Jesus is the goal. And so, therefore, I can never get to a place where I can look down on anybody. Because I've never arrived. And by the way, I'm not trying to look and compare myself to other people now, because I'm looking to Jesus and the Word of God. And I see myself for who I am, and then I just see myself as just a sinner that's saved by grace that God's trying to do a work in. And that, man, praise God, He's working on me. I'm not what I used to be. I'm, un, I'm in His grace. And uh, no, I'm not everything I want to be. And, I, and I'm stumbling along the way some, but His hand's on my life. So then I want to look at somebody else. It doesn't matter if it just so happens that I'm not stumbling or I, I don't struggle in a place that somebody else does. Because there's maybe the person that doesn't struggle or, or, or struggles where I don't, there's probably some areas where I struggle where they don't. But we're not sitting around comparing each other, to, comparing ourselves that way. And it's just cool to me that there's no doubt, there's no doubt that God said He put into the church preachers and teachers 
uh, an evangelist. Why? For the edifying of the church, for the building up of the church. God calls preachers and pastors and puts them in the church to teach people the Word of God and to lead them in these things. There's no doubt about that. But ultimately, what you do with it comes down to it's between you and God. And, and it's just cool to me that Paul, ultimately, he wanted to be there not because he was manipulative or didn't trust God, but it's just cool that he could find that he could trust God. He saw what God could do in these people's lives. And so uh, that's Paul's prayer. None of that was in the notes right there, that last little part. But Paul's prayer... Now, not only that, but we see purpose. Growing through trouble. It helps when you understand that there is a purpose in your trouble. Look at verse 10 with me again. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. <coughs> Excuse me. Did y'all notice when Ryan was praying, he said, Lord, be with those that are <coughs> sick. Notice that struck me funny. That we might perfect, perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Of course, again, Paul longed to see them. But this word perfect there does not mean, hey, I'm going to get there and you're going to be sinless. No, it has the meaning of adjusting, equipping, or furnishing. And of course, it's the idea of maturity. It's used... Uh, in the mending of nets of Mark 1.19, the same idea is used. Uh, a, a net that's being put back together after a night of fishing. Our faith never reaches perfection. There, there's always need for adjustment and growth. Romans 1.17 says, it, it uses the phrase, how that we go from faith to faith. Growing through our trouble. There's a man by the name of Abram, that was, his name was later changed to Abraham, who's a good illustration of this principle. God called him to the land of Canaan, and when he arrived, he discovered a famine. God permitted that famine so that Abraham's test might be faith. Faith might be tested. So Abraham's faith might be tested. That's why he permitted that famine. Unfortunately, Abraham failed the test and went down into Egypt for help. Abraham was tried, and he fell. But I'm glad God still helps failures, aren't you? I heard somebody say God's the God of a second chance. Man, I'm glad he's given me more than that. Uh, but that's what he did with Abraham. And so God, let, God brought him back up out of there. He, he came out of that situation. Now, the only problem is he didn't come alone, by the way. He brought Hagar with him, and, uh, and you kind of know what happened there. If you don't, you can go read it later. Each step of the way, God brought circumstances to bear on Abraham that forced him to trust God and grow in his faith. Folks, faith is kind of like a muscle. It gets stronger the more it's used. You can't have faith if you don't have trials and troubles. I'll say this, I don't know if it'll help anybody here or not, but maybe there'll be somebody that listens that it helps. Um, I, I remember uh, not long after I was saved by the grace of God, I don't know about you, and I, I understand the circum circumstances around people's salvation can be just all over the place, okay? Circumstance. We're all saved the exact same way. We all come to Christ the exact same way. We, we, we see our need for Him. We, we turn to Him. We receive Him as our Savior. Um, you know, just put that very briefly. But I remember when I got saved, 
Uh, thank God I got saved and it was connected to a Bible preaching church. You know, not everybody's that way. But I was connected with the Bible preaching church, so really quick I got into a good Bible, solid Bible preaching church. And so, man, I, I, I had feelings and I was just so excited and happy. And, and again, somebody that just got saved by reading a track in a truck somewhere may not exactly have that same environment to have. But, but I just getting, rushing along through there, for, for many of those first days, man, it was just exciting to be saved. And I couldn't wait to tell somebody else how to be saved. And I just want to try to get other people to come to church. And it, it was just good, 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 good. Uh, well, you know, long story short, I hit some troubles. I hit some trials. I, I took a trip down into Egypt not long after I got saved. I come back out and God was not a, not a physical, literal trip, okay, but spiritually speaking, taking a trip to Egypt after I got saved. And when I, when I was coming back to church, an unusual thing started happening, and that really ain't very unusual. It's a very common thing. I started to have some doubts. I started to doubt my salvation. Because I started thinking to myself, number one, man, if I was really saved, would I have got out of church in the first place? And if I was really saved, and I started thinking that stuff, and then on top of it, it got to where I wasn't always feeling it, man. It used to be times to where church time, I was feeling it. But now I'm not feeling it. Well, what am I going to do now? And uh, I, I wanted those feelings. It's like, God, where's the goosebumps at, you know? Uh, but they weren't there. And so then I start thinking, oh, God must be mad at me, or maybe I'm not saved, or I don't know what else. So I started going through that. And I, I believe that many people go through that. I believe that most Christians go through some phase in their life to where they doubt their salvation. I think the worst thing somebody can ever be told is, well, why don't you just call on the Lord again and get saved just in case? Make it sure. Uh, I know people that do that, man. And, uh, and it looks good when you have people getting saved every year of revival. The problem is it's the same people getting saved. And I'm not even joking. And, and I'm kind of making fun, but it's a sad, sad situation uh, that people that get saved every year, and they don't get saved every year. You get saved once. All right? You get saved once. But what I had to do was say, okay, I finally came to a place. Here's where faith helped me, okay? Here's where trials helped me. I'm, number one, I'm trying to go to some other people for answers. <laughs> They're not quite doing it. You get frustrated with people. Like, well, what are they supposed to do, man, right? But I was frustrated. Can y'all not help me? No, you can't. They couldn't really help me all that much. So finally, I just opened up my Bible and I said, okay, God, uh, what does it mean to be saved? And I just started going through the Bible, and I started reading what it meant to be saved in the Bible. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And I finally come to this conclusion. I mean, it was just as clear as anything. I said, okay, God, I don't feel saved at all. Uh, but according to your word, I'm saved. And so God, unless you tell me otherwise... I'm going to live my life like I'm saved because your word says I'm saved. And that's why I started to live my life. Now, you want to know what happened after that? I got some feelings of joy in there and assurance. But I didn't need to get those. But the, but the fact of the matter is now, I, I don't know the last time I sat and wondered how, if I, whether or not I felt saved or not. Doesn't cross my mind anymore. I don't really care whether I feel saved or not. Don't matter to me because I'm saved. And since I know I'm saved, I guess I feel saved. I mean, I'm, I'm Jesse, I, I feel like Jesse, whether I feel like it or not, that's who I am, and I say, I'm saved, it's the same way. 
But the thing that started just being the other thing, and, I got, and I'm going to stop here, but the other thing about growing in, growing in your trouble, and this was just early on in my Christian life. To me, that's a very important thing to be able to get nailed down in your Christian life. Why are you saved? It reminds me of Hannah when she first got saved. Some of y'all heard the story, but it's just such a cool thing. It's wonderful to see your kids come to Christ. But I remember praying with Hannah in the altar. Me and Melanie were both with her, and the Lord had been working on her for some time. And I, I can't even remember how old she was now. I probably should remember, but, uh, but she was near 10, somewhere in that age range, probably maybe a little bit younger than that. But she came forward, and she... Uh, was, uh, was, was ready. She was like, yeah, I know I need to be saved. And so uh, she prayed, and uh, all right, Hannah, did you ask Jesus to save you? Yes, I did. She said, yes. And uh, then, she said, then I said, did he do it? And she started crying, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Then I'm like, Hannah, read this verse. Okay, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hannah, did you call on the name of the Lord? Yes. I said, did he save you? Yes. <laughs> you, got, you got it in the Word. I got to move this stuff back further. I've been stepping on that. But, uh, but that, that's right. And so then later on, basically, other times that you ever just start feeling bad and you start thinking, man, I bet God must be awfully mad at me because I hadn't felt good in a while. Hadn't felt saved in a while. Hadn't felt... Joyous in a while, didn't want to come to church, didn't come to church, didn't read, didn't whatever. And I know God's mad at me because I just ain't been feeling it lately. And I guess if, if your Bible said that the just shall live by feeling, you would be justified. But the Bible doesn't say the just live by feeling. The Bible says the just live by faith. And just like I know I'm saved because the Bible says it, and just like Hannah knew that she was saved because God just told her she was, I know that I'm justified whether I feel like it or not. I know I'm accepted. I know I'm His Son. I know I'm in the will of God. I know that my life matters for Him. I know all that. I don't feel it. So what? I, I like feeling it. But whether I feel it or not, we don't live our life. We grow. We grow through trouble. We grow, we go through trouble, but we go through trouble. And those are some, you know, basic illustrations of, of, of a greater truth in our, uh, simple illustrations of, a, of how we grow in our Christian life. But we'll, Lord willing, try to finish these verses out and finish the chapter out on next week. All right? Uh, well, let's all stand. And before we're dismissed, uh, we'll, uh, we'll just give you another opportunity to pray. And I don't know if Barb will be willing to come play a bit or not, just in case the Lord's moved on your heart and you need to pray tonight. Grow through trouble. Are you going through trouble? Well, God will help us to grow through our trouble. Man, you might just want to thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord for His faithfulness. <laughs> My goodness. Where would you be tonight if it wasn't for His grace? Jesus loves you more now than he ever has. And that's maybe not exactly a true statement because he's never loved you any more than he does right now. But he loves you a lot. Let your trials lead you to him. 
Let him be enough. Let his word be enough. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord. I'm an absolute miracle as I stand here right now. I'm a miracle of salvation. I'm a miracle of creation. But I'm a miracle of salvation, God. What you wrought in my heart 30 years ago. I'm a miracle, dear God, in what you have done in my heart and my life, dear Lord, to have me standing here today, God. And the fact of the matter is, every, every other person is, is here tonight as well. And Lord, we've got a lot to be thankful for. And we've got a lot to bless your name for. And I pray, God, that you'll help our hearts just to look to you. And no matter how we feel, no matter uh, what the circumstances are, help us to know that you are good all the time, Lord. Your faithfulness. Uh, God, your mercies are new every morning. And we love you, dear Lord. And I pray that uh, you'll help me, dear God, that after I preach and share these truths, that I myself would not be a castaway. Lord, bless tonight, dear God, and help us as we depart to grow through our troubles, dear Lord, as we go through our troubles. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.